This is SQPN, the StarQuest Production Network, leading the way. Secrets of Star Wars, episode number one, recorded on May 24th, 2013. Welcome to the very first episode of The Secrets of Star Wars, a new series dedicated entirely to the upcoming Star Wars movies, the new ones with J.J. Abrams at the helm, at least of the first one. We're going to talk about the news, but more importantly, we're going to talk about the story, what will be the story of these movies. And joining me today is a good friend of mine and a Star Wars fan of... Well, the early days that were dinosaurs. Dom Bettinelli. Hi, Dom. Hi, Father. Good to have you on the show. Uh, you and I are born in the same year, and I think that the both of us were still of that generation that watched the first Star Wars movie in the theaters, right? Oh, yes. I, I remember distinctly that the day and the time of uh, just what it was like to watch that first movie. And it's so exciting to be back now uh, with new Star Wars movie at movies at the horizon, not too far away, 2015, according to at least the current news. That might change, of course, like anything else in Hollywood. Uh, but we're going to talk about, um, well, what these movies are going to be about, just as I mentioned. And uh, there is a lot of news um, that we have to catch up with. Of course, uh, we um, we only now start this show but the news about these Star Wars uh, movies broke much earlier when uh, George Lucas announced that he would sell Lucasfilm and all its assets. And not just the Star Wars franchise, but also, I think, the Indiana Jones uh, franchise and everything else that they came, came up with to Disney. And Disney immediately told us that there will be new Star Wars films and very, well, actually not a surprise, George Lucas will not be directing what was your first reaction, Dom, when you heard that news? Well, at first, like anybody else, with when something beloved from their childhood is changing hands, it's a little trepidation. Uh, you worry that something is going to be lost. It's going to be this big company. Uh, but there's also um, excitement as I think about it because now um, – I love George Lucas, but he's I don't think he's the right man to direct Star Wars movies. We've we, I think we found that out with the prequels uh, that uh, I think maybe he's too close to the story. Um, like a lot of people who um, create their own um, uh, giant story, uh, he ended up um, not having anyone to kind of rein him in. I think that's my that's my opinion from the prequels. And so now that we have this new. Uh, entity, and we have Disney, which, you know, keeping in mind that Disney and, and Lucasfilm have had a relationship that goes back a lot longer than this this new uh, merger. Um, the, the Disney theme parks have ha have always had Star Wars and Indiana Jones and other Lucas properties involved. So there's this relationship there, and I, I just I'm excited by it. I think, you know, Disney, um, from what I've seen so far, has a plan to 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 give Star Wars fans. As much Star Wars as they could possibly uh, take uh, over the next uh, – well, actually, I think it's an open-ended. I mean they're really rolling things out. There's a there's a, a plans that they talk about going on uh, for years to come, and that's exciting to me. Absolutely, and uh, Disney seems uh, – like you say, it, it's a natural match, and um, if there's one company that you want – 
to take Star Wars over. It is Disney because they're good at storytelling. They're kind of, you know, used to the world of fairy tales. And ultimately, Star Wars is space opera. It's a fairy tale in space. And so uh, I think it, it's great. Plus, they have, of course, uh, a huge... Uh, impetus not to let these movies fail. When George Lucas produced the prequels, he was in control of everything. He owned the franchise. He had all the money. He could do whatever he wanted. Um, so there wasn't actually, well, of course, there was a bit of a financial risk, but at the same time, you know, there was no one really uh, challenging him to do better. I think now with Disney having paid so much money for this franchise, they cannot afford to make mistakes here. And so they hired the best of the best. And uh, that makes me hopeful. I think that they, they, especially with the fallout of the prequels, and don't get me wrong, I still love the prequels because it's Star Wars and because it's the canon story and it, it, it is this, the original genius of, of George Lucas, even though he was not a very good director. He was a really good storyteller. Um, but uh, the... I, I think that that um, now I totally lost my train of th- thought, but <laughs> I, I think that that um, Disney is is going to make sure that they will not make the same mistakes as George Lucas made uh, with the prequels, because the, the well, of course, the prequels were a success, but there was also a lot of criticism, and I, I think that now they will they will make sure that the, the the hardcore Star Wars fans are happy because they need. The hardcore Star Wars fans to to spread the word and to kind of endorse this movie, and I think that's the the element of that was, like you said, George Lucas is a great storyteller, um, but but it's in the it was in the details that where someone should have told him, I don't think Jar Jar Binks is the right character that we should be introducing here, or, or and and there are various other elements, and maybe we should go a little different in the arc for how Anakin is played and, and some of the things, but overall the, the grand arc that it's always been this great uh, mythology, this story of a, of fathers and sons. And frankly, I think this, this is why moving into uh, the, the other reason I have great uh, optimism for this series is that the first movie is going to be directed by JJ Abrams. I think JJ Abrams, most of, most of the, the projects he's been involved in have involved this relationship between fathers and sons uh, and and the, the, this interplay of this relationship and and that's why I think this is such a natural uh, story for him, uh, especially since he said that he's uh, he's a huge Star Wars fan. That's a very so, interesting point that you make. That uh, actually that this Star Wars is all about fathers and sons, and that that is a, <laughs> something that J.J. Abrams is good at, or at least you know tell stories about. Uh, that, that's a great point. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to that later on when we talk about the ingredients of at least the first movie and the things that we can already, you know, guess will be part of the movie. Whatever else they might want to put in, there are certain ingredients that are compulsory, I think, to make it Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, but w- before we do that, I just want to catch up with the news, um, starting with, of course, well, the whole um, takeover by Disney and then... Uh, all the little tidbits that um, appeared in the news after that. Let's start with J.J. Uh, Abrams, the director uh, at the helm. There have been uh, plenty of interviews with him, quite surprisingly, because I was used to... I'm, I'm following Star Wars news uh, all, since forever. <laughs> and so <laughs> for the prequels, um, I was used to this 
total uh, silence. Nobody would say anything. They were so scared uh, of anything leaking. And so almost anyone who was involved in the Star Wars movies uh, was told not to talk to the press. And and, and when they did, it was very, you know, uh, controlled and everything. Here, it seems that there is a much more relaxed attitude. And J.J. Abrams has done plenty of interviews in which he talks plenty about Star Wars. And of course, this is part of, well, his life as a director and he's at the helm of of the second Star Trek movie. So he 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 was going he was going to make the rounds for Star Trek. And I guess that Disney has just thought, well, that's just free publicity for us, you know? <laughs> as long as he's making the rounds, that's 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 a great opportunity to uh drum up support for his next project. And I think it's I think it's intentional, uh that's my speculation. Uh because because of this massive change, because of the uncertainty, I think letting them talk about the the new Star Wars and the and letting J.J. Abrams talk about what he's you know what his vision might be uh, in the broadest terms at this point since there's no script yet even um, I think that's that's designed it's calculated to 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 uh, allay the fears of many of the fans so that there won't be uh, you know with if you have that science because J.J. Abrams is often someone who keep, who keep, holds his cards close to the vest. Um, he's uh, he can give Apple a run for the money in the secrecy department, but uh, he he is um, uh, uh, out there now talking about it. And I th- and again, I, I think that's calculated. And I read in one of the articles just how um, they may be looking to be a little more open about the production of this movie and let more like that that the the environment has changed uh, yes. in. In, in movie making, uh, as witness Peter Jackson and how how open he is about the making of the Hobbit. Absolutely, I think it's it's definitely a huge difference with the the time of the prequels, where um, especially Lucasfilm still had that uh, attitude where they thought that they could control the news flow, especially in the uh, time before the first prequel. Um, and I, I know this from personal experience. I was involved in TheForce.net, which is one of the bigger Star Wars fan sites. And at one point, we even had a conference call with the people over at Lucasfilm. And they were like, you guys are, are posting all those spoilers and we don't want that because, you know, someone else could make a movie that is exactly similar to what we are making. And, and they were trying to get a grip on all this. And it's only later on in when the second and the third movie came out that they started to understand the power of the fan base and, 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 and getting people excited and involved in early stage instead of keeping everything secret and then come out with The Phantom Menace, which was a, a big disappointment for a lot of hardcore Star Wars fans. Uh, it's, it's probably much wiser, especially in this hyper-connected age, to involve the fans and even sometimes be very open about the fears and the doubts and... and you know, J.J. Abrams is definitely doing that. He expresses his, well, his trepidation of doing Star Wars. And initially, from what I've heard, he even refused. And he turned Disney down. He's like, I'd rather watch Star Wars as a fan instead of making it. <laughs> and, yeah, and and he was making Star Trek at the time. And yes. as a professional, he wanted to be focused on one thing and not the other. Um but uh, I gather from one of the interviews that he gave that he just uh, – his wife said, look, this is the opportunity of a lifetime for you. I mean this is the big – you know, the big prize for someone like you who's a huge Star Trek uh, – Star Wars fan. 
you should take it. And, and he eventually he did. Uh, and and I, it looks like Disney was willing to uh, to accommodate his schedule and let him finish one movie before uh, getting into the next thing. But uh, uh, I'm 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 I got I'm going to say right up front. I'm glad he did. I mean, I can't imagine <sighs> yes. anyone. The only other director I might be think that, uh, would have been a great choice would have been uh, Joss Whedon, who yes. I think is yes, also I, I the big blockbuster director. Mm-hmm. Um, but but still, I'm I'm, I'm glad that J.J. Abrams does it. Because we've seen a lot of Josh, Josh Whedon recently, mm-hmm. and it could be overkill at one point. Right. Um, so, um, and and thank God for wives that they <laughs> are able I to agree. convince people to do this. And I think this happened in in, in other franchises as well. I think with uh, Harry Potter, there's similar similar stories where certain actors were like, "Nah, I don't think so." And you know, are you kidding? Of course you have to do this. <laughs> so um, it's 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 very cool. And and he says in an interview um, that he did uh in i think on april the 22nd he was uh, speaking to the sunday times magazine and he said you know with star wars i come with a with a deep passion um i would have paid for a chance to be part of it let alone directed um and that is a, a difference with star trek i mean he he has done a, a terrific job i think most people agree with uh, the the star trek reboot but he's he uh, said many times that he never really was a, a fan of Star Trek to begin with. Um, I, I guess he became a fan over time, but uh, but with Star Wars, it's very very different. I mean, he's been just like us, uh, just a lifelong fan, and that's a that's a good sign. And um, the fan reaction has been, um, as usual with these things, split. Um, some people are very enthusiastic. They say, I, I read this article in The Atlantic where um, uh, the writer of the article, the author says, you know, everybody should be excited for J.J. Abrams to be at the helm of Star Wars because he is he's such a natural when it comes to space opera. He, he His stories, his movies have a certain grandeur. It's almost a bit like Spielberg. And I, I understand what he, what he means by that because, I don't know, have you seen Super 8? Yes. I, that to me was the first movie I saw in, in in this decade where I was like, this feels like Spielberg. This feels like old fashioned movie making. Um, it, I, I I agree. Uh, it was it had a very much um, an ET vibe. Yes, to it, yes. But not as cute and fuzzy uh, as ET. <laughs> not really. <laughs> as anyone who's seen it will 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 understand. But uh, but it it does. Ha- it was a. Um, uh, very much, it felt like an amalgam of J.J. Abrams and Spielberg. That that a little bit of the best of both of them. Well, and 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 with that in mind, I'm th- I, that for me was proof that he is able to emulate certain styles. That it's not just the lens flare J.J. Abrams that we're used to, <laughs> you know. But this is such a competent director that I think he understands what a Spielberg movie is and how to make a movie like Super 8 feel like a Spielberg movie. I think he can do the same with with Star Wars. And um, so uh, that that one part of the audience is is enthusiastic about that say well that could work and he's all about even the second the current uh, star trek movie which i haven't seen yet because it hasn't premiered in the netherlands yet uh according to a lot of people it's the best star wars film that jj abrams has ever done and they say star wars movie <laughs> so it's just right. you know called star trek but it feels more like star wars um, so I think that's a good that's a good sign for us. Uh, the other half of the audience, I'm, I'm not sure about the percentages, but there is a part of the uh, of the fans um, that says 
this this might not work. J.J. Uh, Abrams is always playing it safe. Um, there's a lot of action, but there's not much depth. Is he able to also slow down? I mean, do we get, um, let's say, a Return of the Jedi type uh, direction, direction, directorial style? Or is he really able to do something like that feels like Empire Strikes Back? Is, is he able to slow down? And I think that Abrams is aware of his of his own like tendency to be a bit ADD. And I was watching um, an interview with uh, with the BBC, where um, the interviewer asks him, you know, is, is that's such a huge responsibility to be at the helm of these two uh, big franchises. It's basically you know the last forty years of of, of fandom, if not longer, uh, that are now in in the hands of one person. Um, how does that make you feel? And then he he himself starts talking about uh, his tendency to be all action and to never really stop. And and that's where he wants other people to be involved to tell him, you know, to slow down and just let a scene play out and you know take take a take some time, take take some space, and then pick up the pace again. So the fact that he talks about stuff like that makes me very happy as a Star Wars fan because it means he is not like what the, the, one of the flaws of George Lucas was that he was such a micromanager and he wanted to be in control of everything and he had surrounded himself with extremely competent, very creative people, but at the same time people that were all kind of in awe of him and right. um, I, I think it's it's good to have a director who is a bit more open to feedback and I think that is ultimately what made Empire Strikes Back the best movie in my in my opinion um, of all the six current Star Wars movies because uh, the director was open for so much input from uh, from the actors from other people on the set and and most of the most memorable sequences in those movies were created on set and were not part of the script and so I hope that J.J. Abrams is 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 going to allow that same chemistry although he's going to have a hard time just because of the time frame i mean he's got till 2005 which means that well they really should get started very very quickly uh, for such a big movie it's mm-hmm. it, it almost seems impossible to me it seems well it seems to me that um and i don't know if it's true or not but it seems that the the production time for these big movies um, has really decreased. Like they they can they can churn out these movies yeah. really quickly. It must be the advances in the special effects True. technology. True. But thinking of the special effects, I think that's one one area where I th- um, I think Lucas got too um, enamored of the green screen and, and the techniques and a lot of that stuff, and kind of lost his way a little bit with the story and the human element. Yes. Um, and maybe the actors were were spending so much time trying to figure out how to act against the screen and what they're doing. I don't feel like a- Abrams has has um, fallen into that trap in any of his uh, science fiction special effects sort of movies. And and that gives me some hope as well. well a, a good sign is that, for instance, the bridge of the uh, the Enterprise in the Star Trek movies is a real bridge. I mean, it's it. of course, there are CG elements, but they do build big sets. And that's good because that's what, what Lucas didn't do in, in the prequels. And, and you can tell. I remember being scandalized when I was still following the news uh, surrounding... I think it was The Phantom Menace where George Lucas in in an interview was boasting on how he would take the 
eye movements of one take and combine it with the mouth of take three <laughs> and then put it on the face of take five. And it's like, what? <laughs> and, and even if, if an actor would blink at the wrong time for him, he would replace it or he would just erase it. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is why oftentimes the acting feels so wooden and unnatural. I don't think it's... And, uh, uh, some of the actors got a lot of flack for that, but I don't think it, it was totally the the problem of the actors i think it was this this tampering this digital tampering and this this almost blind uh, uh, geekiness about about technology and, mm-hmm. and and yeah he got carried away so when but it comes was, down to it the storytelling is about the human element yes i, I think yes and i i uh, i think that 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 Abrams and uh, the people involved now uh, at Disney are much more aware of that than than they were. I mean, the 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 world of movies has evolved, and and we have learned so much about what what makes or breaks a movie, and so that is why I think uh, the Marvel movies are so successful. I mean, they they mm-hmm. they kind of struck gold. They they know now what makes a good movie, and still, and st- there is always a possibility that they will. Uh, uh, come up with movies that are not the success that everybody thinks even though they're following you know exactly the right formula but i was i was uh, recently watching um iron man 3 and I, I was a bit underwhelmed i was like how can you, how can they make a movie like that after <laughs> the avengers uh, i i personally thought that was kind of subpar but anyway i i, I again i don't think that disney will mess this up which brings me to uh, another important news item and that was the choice of the screenwriter. We've seen lots and lots of speculation beforehand, you know, who would write these stories? Are they going to use the extended universe? Uh, we've got the the fantastic Timothy Zahn uh, mm-hmm. trilogy and the, the books that he wrote afterwards. I mean, those books read like movies. And so some people, and this was in the early stages when we just had heard that there would be new movies, they were speculating that, well, we'll just take those three books and turn them into movies. Well, I don't think that that's what they're going to do. Um, I think they also said that they won't do that. They want to give the writers carte blanche. And they hired Michael Arndt as a screenwriter. Michael Arndt, to me, was a was was not a well-known name. Um, he's a screenwriter um, who wrote the screenplay for Little Miss Sunshine um, and mm-hmm. got an Academy Award, I think, for Best Original Screenplay for that. He also wrote, which I didn't know, the second screenplay for the film Toy Story 3, which I think was the best of the three Toy Stories. Um, now, there have been a lot of writers involved in that, and there have been some rewrites, but I think that the, a lot of the elements that made Toy Story 3 such an emotional story were his. And that, too, makes me makes me happy, because I want Star Wars, the, the upcoming Star Wars movies, to be very, you know, emotionally laden, or I want this to be about people, and about relationships. And and so that that's pretty cool. But that's that's about it. I didn't find much much other you know big uh, plot uh, big um, um, screenplays that he wrote. And so it's it's also a bit um, uh, let's say it, 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 strange to hire someone who hasn't really written much. Uh, a good sign is that he's he's been hired to write the script for the sequel to The Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. based on the novel. Well, that's a different process because, of course, 
you know, we, the the books by Suzanne Collins are already there and they're pretty excellent. So screenwriting is just adapting it. It's kind of like what they did with the movies of Harry Potter. The bo- the books were there and the screenwriter just had, had the impossible task to condense that into, you know, a two-hour movie. But how likely is it that they've only started thinking about these upcoming movies the the day that they made it public that um, that Lucasfilm would be bought by Disney. I've got the feeling that even that whole merger or that takeover was planned months, if not years in advance, and that there have been discussions for 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 many months. Because, of course, Disney is not just going to take any risks. They want to be sure that all this, what they do in communication, is is um, rolled out according to a big, you know, PR plan. These guys know what they're doing. So I, mm-hmm. I've always thought there prob- probably already is a, a, a framework for the story. They're- I wouldn't be surprised if George Lucas had story treatments for for three or four or five more movies he had, all yes. sitting in a drawer. And because this is this is whatever else, this is George Lucas's mythology. And if you're gonna if you're gonna create new Star Wars, you gotta you gotta start with with what Lucas imagined. I mean, you start in his brain. I mean, for all of the faults that we've identified, he's still the man who created Star Wars. Yes. Yes. And we got to we got to respect that. And I hope I hope that's where we're starting is somewhere within those story treatments there is a germ of of a great movie that they're building on. Well, and I remember from the even what the, the during the the times of the first trilogy, the original trilogy, um in interviews George Lucas said that he had uh, a, a, basically a, an outline for nine movies, yes, not just six. But he said, I want to start with what was the most exciting part of the story where I thought it would work. Because when he started, he thought he would only have the occasion to do one movie. So he just picked the elements from his overall story um, and, and and put that into – into uh, a new hope, and then recycled some of that stuff later on when he he, he saw that he was able to do many more movies, um, and he also said that he always wanted to, to tell the bigger story of Anakin, and that the six movies were actually the story of Anakin Skywalker, not not Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it enabled him to do the whole redemption thing, and that actually the ideas that he had for the sequels were the least defined. And probably because he never made those movies, also probably the worst ideas or, I don't know, perhaps the very sketchy stuff. But he did talk about it with um, Mark Hamill. Um, that I know for sure because Mark Hamill also talked about it in, in interviews. And mm-hmm. I think it, one of the th- tidbits I vaguely remember is that it would be about you know uh, Luke and Leia's children or something like that or you know a new generation of Jedi and then them being you know the older Jedi kind of passing it on and um, and that's about it but I've never heard any other details about it what I also know is that George Lucas even with the prequels he had um, some story ideas which have changed a lot even while he was preparing for the movies Um, and in some commentaries that I've that I've seen, um, there were plenty of things that he kind of pretended afterwards that it was all in his head and it had all been written down since forever. But actually, that wasn't the case, and he had to kind of wrap his mind around 
tying up all those loose knots and trying to kind of make everything fit. And that was a huge puzzle for him. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's probably true also for the sequels. There might be some, some um, let's say, embryonic ideas, but I, I don't think there will be, a, you know, a story around somewhere in a drawer that, um, you know, in, in, in a couple of years' time we'll look back on and it's like, oh, it was all there. I, I don't think so. <laughs> right, right. This is not J.K. Rowling who thought out everything in advance. Um, I, I think that this is uh, it's probably just, you know, like a basic idea. And then still, you want to evaluate that now in, in, in 2013 and, and what are what is this generation uh, used to in terms of storytelling. And so perhaps there, there might be uh, lots of, of things that you need to adapt. Because I, I think ultimately if they, if they could b- go back in time and redo the prequels, they would probably tell a whole, an entirely different story and, and, and emphasize certain things that weren't emphasized and, and get rid of other plot elements. Building off of this, who's, who is writing it is, very, is, is to me a little as interesting who isn't writing it. And that is a lot of the guys that J.J. Abrams has worked with on many of his other product, uh, projects, uh, Damon Lindelof and, and um, uh, the, the rest of the names of the, of the, yeah. the guys uh, that he's worked with on Fringe and on Lost and on Star mm-hmm. uh, Trek. And that they're not involved. Yes. And that this that... is a whole new writing crew so far anyway. I mean, they can bring in more people, obviously, but, but it's a fresh start, it seems like. Yes, and I think that's that's good for the movie. That's good for the story. It's it's good for Abrams as well mm-hmm. to, to just not get used to a certain style and just do the same thing and 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 just slap another brand name on it. Um, so I, I personally think that this the 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 story is already there. I think it was already there even before it was made public that Michael Arndt would write it. So I don't think he's starting from scratch, um, and. And and it's it's impossible because you know writing a, a, a screenplay like this. I mean, think of how much is at stake and how many people will want to look at it and see if this really works or not and make adjustments if necessary. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think they 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 have planned this way in advance, which yeah. for us is very interesting because this show, just to remind our listeners, is going to be all about the story. That's that's the core business, why we do this podcast. There are many other fantastic Star Wars podcasts, but we want this one to bring to the table that we we want to be good at speculating. I'm, I'm not sure if we're going to succeed, but I'm pretty sure that with our listeners and if we involve them in the process, we can, I think, get very far in, in trying to piece together all these little elements and and kind of, you know, come up with what the, these movies might be about. And, and to me, that's always been the most, the, the, <laughs> to say it in, in, in Steve Jobs-like words, the funnest part of the process. <laughs> um, it, it's just, you know, philosophizing about the, about the story. What are we going to see? And then, of course, the whole surprise uh, once, you know, the lights go down and we hear the music. Uh, is it what we thought it was going to be? Um, let's talk about uh, Kathleen Kennedy, who is the producer of Star Wars. She's been, I think, a longtime friend of George Lucas. And actually, he handed over the reins of Lucasfilm to her um, a couple of years ago. And mm-hmm. she seems to me uh, like a very competent lady. Uh, very much uh, knows uh, George Lucas very well, but also knows that the franchise has to go beyond George Lucas. Um, and she was, of course, as a producer, 
um, pr- probably the decisive person when it comes to hiring J.J. Abrams. So uh, that that's that's pretty cool. Uh, do we know anything else about her? But she she clearly likes Star Wars. <laughs> she has been uh, involved in some some major movies. Um, uh, a lot of Spielberg sort of things. She was involved. Um, she was an executive producer, unfortunately, on Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Ouch. So that's. <laughs> but she's also uh, a producer on Schindler's List and uh, Jurassic Park Three, and uh, so I mean, she's been involved in some of the biggest movies of the past. She produced twenty five years. She produced E. T. I'm reading here. That's right. I didn't know that. That is uh, awesome. She, so she has – I mean she's had a hand in Back to the Future in, so in every major – I think every major movie and movie franchise – I said 20 years, probably 35 years um, that she's she's been connected with. And Spielberg, most uh, interestingly, I think she's I, – I, I seem to recall she's been a very close collaborator with Spielberg. So I think that makes her a, a great choice to, to take this, which is uh, – I think some have called a uniquely American mythology, although uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a mythology for the the the, the 21st century in some cases, and to and to shepherd it. Uh, I I think it's it's a very good sign that she's that she's in charge of this right now. And I've got the idea, uh, the feeling that she she understands the era in which these movies came about, in the the, the times in which this story was born, and I think that is not to be underestimated for Star Wars. It has that you know these stories. Uh, emerged in the 70s and mm-hmm. uh, in a way even though you they've really stood the test of time uh, proof being that your kids are probably in Star Wars the, my nephews and they're all they, they're just as much into Star Wars if not more uh, than we are but 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 at the same time this this was uh, a bit like Star Trek that was that started earlier, of course, but it was a time of optimism and exploration and and a very you know positive outlook and and so this these are stories of heroism and um, and lighthearted and operatic, mm-hmm. which is very different from the kind of stories that um, most movie makers nowadays seem to like, which are the, you know think of 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 uh, the Dark Knight series, you know the Batman movies. It, right. It's almost as if Stories can't be darker. It's it's like everything is so grim and ambiguous and gray. Whereas Star Wars, to me, is always very, huh, almost simplistic. It's good guys versus the bad guys, and the good guys have to win. <laughs> so I think that that is something. I wouldn't be surprised if that type of storytelling is going to be uh, is is going to return, because it, it's funny to see that in. When the economy goes down the drain, when there's a crisis, what do people want? They want es- escapism. They, right. they, they want to. They don't want movies that are too grim or somber. You don't want to be. You know, when when you spend money on a on a on a, uh, a movie ticket, you don't want to see reality. <laughs> you want to escape <laughs> from reality. And I think that's why Star Wars has been so popular over time. Is one of the many reasons why Star Wars is so has been so popular over time because we all will always need escapism. Um, if you look at it, interestingly, you know, the time period in which Star Wars was released, 1977, is comparable in, some, in many ways to the time period we're in now or the 
or maybe 2015 will be um, mm -hmm. in, in the culture, in people, in the economy, in just people's outlook. It's been a very down time. Yeah. And this will be uh, hopefully an uplifting moment. You know, Star Wars, as I'm sure you recall, was a science fiction film that was different from almost all the science fiction films that had been produced uh, before it. It was, it, you know, they, the others were dark, you know, uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey and, and some of the others, you know, Silent Running. The, they were they were dark uh the, they were much um more cerebral in some senses there wasn't a whole lot of action and star wars came along and it provided this boost this excitement this this interest in uh you know the 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 swelling music and it and it brought people back to a previous time interestingly to the old uh you know saturday uh, morning serial uh, yep. uh, uh movies that they would you know they go to the matinees in the 40s and 50s people recalled and and maybe uh, interestingly that's where Star Wars, the original, you know, this episode four, that's what is going to be the, the template for this new movie. That oh, yeah. would be nice. Well, remember that um, when George Lucas started to started his career, he didn't he didn't uh, come up with Star Wars right away. He wanted to do Flash Gordon. He, he wanted right. to, but he couldn't get the rights, and that's when he started to write his own space opera. But that tells you where where he comes from, and it's it's this same, you know, kind of not not very pretentious uh, type of storytelling. Um, and I think that the the one of the elements that might have uh, sealed the the fate of the prequels is that they were these stories were told in a in a very prosperous time where it was all about the money. And it seems that the prequels right. were all about the merchandising and about the toys, and which is always has been part of Star Wars, but it was something that that followed the story. And now with the prequels, it almost seemed as if that was the only reason that you know some characters and some storylines were part of the of, of this of this prequel trilogy, like and, the great scene from the the parody movie Spaceballs. <laughs> Where uh, Mel Brooks' character, the the Yoda like character, merchandising. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, anyway, um, the um, uh, big question, of course, is, and we're getting closer to, let's say, more story defining elements of our discussion is, who will be back? We've we've talked about the director, screenwriter, the producer. But for us as viewers, it's much more interesting to talk about the actors who will mm -hmm. be back. And we know that some of the characters of the original trilogy almost certainly will be back. Uh, there have been talks, this is all confirmed, uh, with the, the big three of the original movies, Carrie Fisher, Fisher uh, Mark Hamill, and Harrison Ford. And it seems that we have a confirmation for Carrie Fisher. That's the first one. She actually joked about it or afterwards said that she was joking about it or her uh, agent said that she was. But um, I think that then afterwards she did confirm. So I'm reading uh, an article here from April 28th and this was published on um, in the Calgary Herald where Carrie Fisher said the following. Yes, Carrie Fisher confirmed to a rapt audience at the BMO Center Saturday afternoon that she will be, in fact, reprising her most famous role of Princess Leia in a new series of Star Wars films, which will be produced by Disney. She was the first of the original cast members to announce her participation back in March, although apparently she jumped a gun. Her publicist later said she was joking and that nothing had been confirmed. However... It seems to be a done deal now. But for fans looking for a sneak peek of what to expect in the new film, Fisher didn't offer many juicy details. 
Uh, and then she says, I like being bought by Disney because they never wanted to buy me before, she said during a talk at the Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo. I'm glad that they are doing a new movie because, and here it comes, they're sending a trainer to my house so I can get in really good shape. <laughs> so I'm really, I'm eating a lot of sugar in advance, as you can see. <laughs> by the time I really get down to it, I will have eaten everything. So that's typically Carrie Fisher. You never know if she's joking or not. <laughs> but I wouldn't be surprised if that is actually true. That <laughs> if she's going to appear in the movies, she needs to get in shape a little bit. And it's actually uh, funny enough. One of the things that Mark Hamill talked about as well when he was asked about his potential participation in the, the sequels, he said, "Well, I hope that they will leave all the stunt work to a younger generation because I really I don't see myself running around and jumping and doing <laughs> all sorts of somersaults." <laughs> I'm too old for that now. So I, I, I think it's it's probable that if they are part of the story, they're going to be in a more parental role probably, you know, the old generation. and Right. Just they are necessary to, I think, for the fans to make this truly Star Wars. And not to mention the uh, the PR reasons for this. I mean, if you get these three involved – they will be all over the place. I mean, they will be the ambassadors for this new franchise or this restart of the franchise. And you can guarantee that people will come out to see that. I mean, people oh, will come yes. and see a Star Wars movie. But if you if you know that Luke Skywalker and Leia and maybe even Han, probably Chewbacca, if they're all back, oh, yeah. that, that will bring the crowd. Absolutely. I mean, even if the entire movie is about uh, Jar Jar's children, there's just <laughs> two minutes of Harrison Ford. I will go see it. <laughs> yeah. It just kills me to see that uh, uh, my heroes from when I was a kid uh, who themselves were in the prime of their life, oh, they're so old now. <laughs> well, so are we. So are we. Yes. <laughs> makes me feel old now. <laughs> oh, but the stories are always new and young. And exactly. It's, it's, it's exactly. going to be so much fun to rediscover these movies or to discover these movies mm -hmm. with the younger generation. So um, Harrison Fort. Uh, was also asked about um, his uh, participation. And, and uh, this happened uh, during one of these uh, late shows with David Letterman. And uh, he was there to promote another movie. I think there's a science fiction movie with him uh, coming out. Um, and uh, he mentions that he doesn't want to be asked about Star Wars. And then <laughs> Letterman asks the, uh, the audience. Um, so... You get some people, and this was all staged, um, some some hardcore Star Wars fans um, that ask him questions about uh, the sequels. And then he uh, does one of his classic uh, don't make me angry Harrison Ford type <laughs> skits. Very funny. Um, not really family safe <laughs> some of his uh, some of his language had to be bleeped out. but it was fun. and the the just the fact that they just brought it that they brought it up. In this high-profile talk show, is an indication that that there that there is a big chance that he will be part of of uh, of Star Wars. I think you can't have him. You can't have Luke and Leia back without getting right. Han Solo on the scene. Right. Just it wouldn't work. Well, and it's not <laughs> that Harrison Ford is doing tons and tons of high-profile movies these days. Mm -hmm. So there might be have been a time uh, where he could turn down an offer like this, but I. I'm pretty sure that Disney knows how to sweeten the deal that it's worth doing. Not to yeah. mention that it's just for his own reputation. You know, if he would say no, <laughs> that's not going to be a very good pu publicity for you. So um, that's very cool. We also have a confirmation or at least uh, 
an expectation that John Williams will be back. And J.J. Abrams himself uh, talked about this. I think um, in May uh, he was, uh, I think, speaking at I, – I don't have the details, but – he was speaking at a convention or something and then people asked him about John Williams and he said, well, it's still very early. But yes, I expect John Williams to return and score the film, which to me was a relief as well. Mm. Um, I cannot imagine a Star Wars movie without John Williams. Um, and this is one of my – one of my the, one of the problems that I had with the, the Harry Potter movies. Uh, they they um, John John Williams did the first two, and then they started to hire other composers. And even though they did a, a, a decent job, it still was not the same. And there were moments where I, I, they would take, of course, the, the 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 themes, but there was also a lot of music that was really so so. And we've seen um, different musical styles um, in especially the Clone Wars. I mean, the opening for the Clone Wars, to me, that was a sacrilege to open with a different Star Wars theme. That to me was that you right. don't do that. That is liturgy. You know, <laughs> I was I was I remember being very upset seeing the the opening thing of the and it, it ah, terrible. It felt cheap. It would be like um, Howard Shore, someone besides Howard Shore doing uh, the next Hobbit movie, or um, you know, a sequel to the yeah. to the Incredibles without Michael Giacchino doing the the music. It's the 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 music. If you ever watch a movie without music versus with music, mm. you will realize the music is the unseen character in every scene. It is yes. it is so vital to a good movie and a good story. Well, and Star Wars even more because the the kind of wall to wall. Uh, um, scoring that that Lucas allowed John Williams to do was so new at the time. We were mm. not used to these movies where almost everything that happens had music to underscore it and to amplify it. I mean that that too makes it space opera. It's music, and um, I, I was a little bit um, at one point I was afraid that they would go the. In the direction of what they did with Star Trek, where they hired uh, what's his name, Jacino, who did the Lost, right? And some of that music is just not Star Trek. I I miss that that big, you know, overwhelming, uh, larger than life type of music that to me is just so part of why I like these stories and why I like these movies and and uh, just. Uh, I, I was, I was, that was one of my nightmares that it wouldn't be John John Williams. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I I'll I'll disagree a little bit. I I actually really liked the Michael G. Kino Star War, uh, Star Trek. Uh, oh yeah, uh, from it was the good. First movie. But um, but I but I see your point. Like, Star Wars could, would not be the same without John Williams. Which, given uh, and we'll, we maybe we'll talk about this later, is that there there's a plan for many Star. Uh, Wars movies mm -hmm. going out into the future, um, and John Williams is not a young man. Uh, uh, that will be a uh, a major change with the day that John Williams doesn't do a Star oh, yeah. Wars movie. So that, that I mean, be... I can imagine that for the in between movies that they might hire mm -hmm. someone else, but I would not be too upset about that. I mean, I, I think I could yeah. live with that, but uh, but not for the core uh, trilogy. If if it is a trilogy, I'm just assuming it is. But mm -hmm. but uh, what uh, just to come back to that whole Giacchino, uh discussion, 
I, I mean, I liked what he did for Star Trek. However, it was very repetitive. The same theme over and over again. Mm-hmm. And the rest is just r- rhythm and it's action mu- music. What made this... And I think we should do a whole episode about John Williams probably. I agree. But what made his contribution to the Star Wars universe so important was that for every character, he had a different theme. And he was able to take some of those themes and bring them back and, and evolve them in uh, in the prequels. I wasn't mm-hmm. a fan of everything that he did for the prequels. Um, but, the, for instance, Anakin's theme, I, I, it, it's so brilliant. It is a in, – in a major key, it's the same theme as the Imperial March. Right. And and that kind of detail, it's kind of subliminal, yeah. but it is – it's genius. That's the kind of quality mm-hmm. that John Williams brings to these movies. And yeah, I'm I'm excited that Abrams <laughs> and I'm sure that Disney also wants to bring Williams back. Again, they don't want to upset the the, the fans, right? Um, someone else who is certainly willing to be back, however, it is going to be a question if he's going to be back, is Anthony Daniels, who plays C-3PO. He's been in all six movies. He's mm-hmm. actually the only actor, the only actor who is in all six movies, albeit not as a an actor all the time, more a voice actor in um, in most of the prequels because they did uh, the droids uh, digitally. Um, but uh, to me, uh, this this is probably uh, an ingredient of our you know next discussion on on our next episode when we are going to talk about the elements that need to be back. In, uh, in in Star Wars. Uh, but I think that I cannot imagine a Star Wars movie without C-3PO and R2-D2. Since um, George Lucas has always said that ultimately the stories were told from their perspective. It's, it's, a, it's a kind of a narrative choice to do this. And since these are droids, I mean, they can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they don't age. <laughs> C-3PO can look the same in the prequels as he can look in the sequels. And... Um, now that they can do everything digitally or with motion capture, they just need a voice. And I think having Anthony Daniels, I mean, the, the if if you bring back Harrison Ford, I think you have to bring back Anthony Daniels, especially because in, in Empire Strikes Back, that whole dynamic between the two, mm-hmm. uh, you know, bring the professor in to the back. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, the hyperdrive is not functioning. That kind of stuff, you want to see that. And having... Harrison Ford without 3PO, I think, would be would be terrible. Um, it's kind of why the droids in in the prequels didn't work with me because they're, the interaction with the other players didn't work. It wasn't the same. No, no. no. He needs he, he needs a guy like Harrison Ford to uh, or Han Solo to uh, to uh, bounce off of. Um, right. And I think, well, the character of R2D2, I think, if you bring back. C-3PO, R2-D2 will be there too. Given the technology today, you can you could you can build an R2-D2 and um, and give it the the almost human qualities that that that's the reason they put Kenny Baker inside R2-D2 in the first place was that it would that having a human operating it like he did uh, gave it those almost human qualities. And I think we're at a point now where you don't need to put a guy in the machine 
to get that, uh, whereas you can do that yes. remotely. I think with that, we've come to the end of this episode, this first episode of Secrets of Star Wars. And um, we want to make lots of room for listener contributions. So especially when we're going to talk about the story and the, the things that need to be part of that story, we love to hear from you. We love your input. Um, and there are many different ways in which you can um, reach us. The most easy, old-fashioned way is, of course, send a droid. Um, <laughs> just record a hologram of your message and send R2-D2 over. Um, we'll definitely play it here, at least if there's nothing jammed in his innards. But um, if you would prefer a slightly more archaic uh, methods, you can send us an email, starwars at sqpn.com. So that's starwars at an and SQPN stands for the StarQuest Production Network. So SQPN.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. You can find the links in our show notes. And you can uh, also follow us on our website. We have a blog that we will update with the uh, new uh, episodes of the podcast, but also with news. And so you definitely want to keep an eye on that. Um, it's starwars.sqpn.com. Starwars.sqpn.com. That's also where you will find links to uh, both Dom and me on Facebook and, and Twitter. So you can, uh, uh, well, just Google us and see what we're all about. Um, Dom, to wrap things up, do you have a tip for our listeners? Because I want to just end with uh, something you can do. Uh, do you want to send them somewhere? Well, I tell you what, I, if, if, I think everyone should go out and if they if you have a Blu-ray player, get the Star Wars, the complete saga episodes one to six Blu-ray. Um, Amazon has it. It's a little expensive if you buy it new. It's like eighty four dollars. But uh, you can pick up a used copy for around sixty dollars. Um, but uh, get the Blu-rays, watch the movies again. Uh, give George Lucas a few more dollars. Uh, actually, probably Disney now. Uh, and <laughs> yes. uh, and, uh, and and get get excited all over again. Absolutely to, for the great the great Star Wars movies. And by the way, if you live in the UK or in Europe, um, those uh, that, those movies are a lot cheaper uh, on Blu-ray. You can pick them up for. 35 euro, which is oh. like half the price you pay in, in the United <laughs> States. Um, and if you uh, purchase them at Amazon, uh, here's a tip. Uh, on our website, uh, starwars.sqpn.com, there's a, a link to those Amazon stores, and we're an affiliate. So if you want to help us uh, with your purchase, then click on that link before you shop at Amazon. And in that way, you can help us out with the bandwidth costs and all that. And we can buy some new droids. Um, so my tip would be something that I've actually um, posted um, to the people that were waiting for us to start this podcast. And it's a very, uh, I think it's a brilliant little animation series that tells the story of the original trilogy, or at least the, the, Phantom, uh, the uh, A New Hope, in just 60 seconds. And it is brilliant. It's called the Star Wars Speed Run. You can find it on YouTube. And if you can't find it, um, just go over to starwars.sqpn.com for the link. It's, um, it's great stuff. I love that you know creative aspect of the fan community around Star Wars. Well, that's it for today. Thanks, Dom. Thanks to our listeners. And again, hope to see you soon for another episode of Secrets of Star Wars. And that next episode will be fully dedicated to the story. What? Do we know? What can we presume? What can we deduce? And let's let the guessing game begin. Let the puzzle begin. And I hope you join us in that puzzle. Thanks for listening. And may the Force be with you.
SQPN, leading the way in Catholic new media.